As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. It's time for the big interview on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. All right, guys, as part of our 2019 Champions Interviews, we are very pleased to have the 2019 NHRA Top Sportsman World Champion on the phone tonight. Sandy Wilkins has joined us. Sandy, how's everything tonight? Jed, we're doing fantastic, buddy. Hope you are. Yes, doing better than I deserve. I appreciate you asking. Um, and, uh, you know, I, hopefully you're getting through lockdowns and, and quarantines and whatever else you got going on just fine you and your family are, are healthy and safe we are thank you for asking we're we're all good with the uh the family is tired of being quarantined luckily i've, I've <laughs> only lived six minutes from the shop and i can uh i can go over to the shop and and, and do a little work um but, but yeah <laughs> I, I, everybody's happy and healthy well the family consists of uh, a lot of females tell us Tell us who you got in the house. It's it is a lot. It's a lot of females and four cats. Uh, <laughs> oh wow! It's my, my wife Michelle and uh, her daughters Star and Sky, and they are they are a blast and are excited to get back to school. But uh, but yeah. Michelle's doing a pretty good job of uh, keeping them busy during the day, and uh, and of course 
with Michelle comes cats, and uh, they seem to be multiplying <laughs> as the days go by. <laughs> well, everybody got to have something to do, so I guess collecting cats is, could be worse. So. It, so, it, it could, it could, but it is another mouth to feed, or four more mouths to feed. <laughs> None of us need that. <laughs> uh, I always like to find out or, or let the audience know where we're talking to our guests from. So where are you at in the world tonight, Sandy? I am currently at uh, the engine shop, Wilkins Racing Engines, which uh, has reopened uh, after a 10-year hiatus, working for Roush Yates. Uh, back in December, I, I opened the doors uh, at a new facility to me in Mooresville, and uh, that's where we are tonight. Excellent. And um, one thing I always like to let everybody know is what you do for a living. You cleared that up for us. Uh, you, as you said, you left Roush Yates um, Motorsports Program, I guess, in, in late October. You, you started your business back first in November. Um, outside of the obvious challenges, Sandy, how is that, that going for you right now? It, it's really going better than expected. The, uh, the, I was supposed to open November 1st, and of course, when you're remodeling a building or, or building a building and adding on, et cetera, moving equipment, all, everything takes longer than you anticipate. So it was really mid-December, and I, actually I say Christmas week was the week that I, that I actually started doing uh, business here at the shop and um, and in that amount of time we've, we've done really well I've had a, a lot of great customers that followed me from years gone by uh, as well as a couple of Roush Yates projects that, that came over here and uh, really been uh, been wide open and the the quarantine has allowed me to sort of catch up at a time that I was slowly getting behind well, that's a, that's a good thing, I guess, if you can find some positive in it. I'm, I'm sure that's it. That's a good one. Um, so while you were at Roush Yates, did you still dabble a little bit for some people on the side? Probably did a lot of your own stuff anyway, but were you still maintaining a little bit of side business or anything that you, you brought with you, or did you just totally restart? Well, I, you know, over uh, – it, it all started back in 2010. I had my own – engine business where I was primarily drag racing and and then that uh Roush Yates hired me to run the drag racing sportsman program and be a part of the pro stock program which all that only lasted a couple of years uh and then at that point I did take some engine customers to the house because I had 60 percent of my equipment from when I was in business at my home shop and that was uh that was really nice to kind of maintain some engines, but you know, one of the guys that I maintained was was Jeffrey Barker, and he, you know, won uh, two national championships and yeah, everything. Who knows, <laughs> who, who knows how many division championships? And fourteen point two million races, and <laughs> anyway, so it, it was a, you know, he was he was one of my primary customers at the house, along with some other uh, top sportsman guys and. What was really nice is when I opened the, the business, you know, they just, you know, brought me their stuff as they normally would uh, in the wintertime. And, uh, you know, it was kind of neat. I had, you know, two of the uh, two of the engines that, that won three of the five national championships in top sportsmen in NHRA and I, in the wow. shop at one time. And I'm like, man, that's, that's pretty cool to be able to, to say that. 
That is very cool. Uh, obviously, you specialize in big power. Uh, is that is that what you're still primarily doing, or you just do pretty much anything? Well, it's that's a great question, and and what I primarily do are custom engines, and that's not really the norm in the engine business. I mean, if you go to uh, to other engine builders, they really specialize in one particular type, which is a, a tremendously good business plan compared to my business plan, which is doing you know the extremely custom engine, which you know this week I've got a uh, an off road truck engine for some guys in Wisconsin. Uh, I've got a super stock, or I'm sorry, an outlaw super stock FE engine, which is you know 500 cubic inch, you know 1964 uh, FE engine platform. I've got uh, two big block Chevys that are, are bracket race engines in here, and a, uh, an 855, you know, former Pro Nitrous engine. So there's a little bit of everything in here right now, and uh, <laughs> and when we really really specialize in doing the things that other people can't. Okay. The custom machine work and the, and the uh, et cetera. Uh, how many people helping you in the shop, Sandy? I've got two guys, one full-time, one part-time. And, and right now we're, we're really down on because of the, what's going on in the world. You know, those guys are only working about half, half of the week. Um, but yeah. I'm trying to keep them busy and, and keep them employed, of course. Yes, sir. Well, hopefully things uh, turn around real soon, get us all back to doing the things that we love and uh, and definitely the things that keep food on the table. We wish you continued success there. Well, thank you. And I'm, you know it will come back, and I'm sure everybody that has a race car is itching to go to the racetrack. Yes, uh, my shop is one mile uh, or less as a crow flies from Mooresville Dragway, and somebody is out there testing every day. And you can hear them every day. <laughs> the, the lone burnout, you know, once every 35, 40 minutes. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, that's kind of neat that uh, that they can at least still, you know, have one car at a time at the track and test. Yeah, that is good. Keep some cars going down the track, so it, they'll the track will be ready for us when we do get back out there. So that's a wonderful thing. So, Sandy, obviously we we've seen the kind of success you had in 2019, but. Get us started with a brief rundown of how you got your start in racing, the kind of who got you started, when, where, you know, the car you drove, just the, the basic details. Well, my dad uh, got me started at, at age 14, and he was, uh, I needed some direction. And uh, I think that, that cars were a great way to kind of give me direction and a path in life. And and anyway, it really helped me out, and that, that was good. And, and we road raced, we go kart raced, uh, we did vintage racing, which is also road racing. And then the drag racing kind of started on my own as as I started college. Uh, Dad said, "Hey, you need to get away from racing and focus on college." And and that's that's how we got started in drag racing, and it and it started probably at places it shouldn't have, like on the street, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, my my very first drag car came out of sort of out of necessity. I was pulled over uh, two times in one week just driving my street car. That there were rumors around town that you know this was the car you need to stop. And uh, <laughs> so I I took that car to a, a auction and sold it and bought a, a '70 Nova, which was my first drag car, and and it was a 
it was a really, really nice car at the time, and you know, I think I spent an entire four thousand dollars on it. And uh, anyway, had a lot of fun with that. And then, you know, over the years, you buy, you buy and sell, and buy and sell, and trying to upgrade. And that's sort of my motto: is if if you're going to buy something, upgrade. And yeah, the Nova turned into a Camaro, into another Camaro, into uh, another Camaro, and then a Cavalier, and now the Camaro that I have have now. Um, and it uh, it really was a snowball effect. You know, I, I never thought I'd have more than a, uh, you know, a bracket race car for my local uh, drag strip. And I never thought I'd have anything better than a, uh, you know, one-ton pickup truck and a 20-foot enclosed trailer. So, you know, and it all, it <laughs> over the years, you just you work hard and you have a goal and you try to achieve that goal. And, and that, that's how we ended up where we are today. Yeah, a lot, a lot of stories out there like that, um, definitely. So when was that start? You, you you mentioned your age. What year, what what era are we talking about? Well, that, that was in the 80s when I was 14. Um, and I bought my first uh, top sportsman car in 1997. And I ran it at the local drag strip in Jeff Dobbins who now runs Pro Stock, talked me into going to my first national event for IHRA, which was in Cordova, Illinois, which from my house is a lifetime away. <laughs> yeah, the hall. And, uh, but he said, they never have enough cars. You'll definitely qualify. And it, in those days, I had a small block that would run, you know, 820s or something in the quarter, and that was just barely below the bump or the the minimum dial I should say and anyway and I did qualify but I you know I slept in my trailer it was a you know it was a die hard thing to do you know back yep, in the no doubt. in in 98 I think um and uh anyway that uh I made it down to four cars which was the TV round and well of course I was hooked there's you know i have to go to all these races you can be on tv you can get <laughs> contingency money what contingency money what is that that's the best thing ever that's free money um anyway it was a that was a neat start you know back in the in the 90s and then uh i guess about 99 i started chasing points and uh that you know i think in those days you had to go to 21 races which would be, I can't remember, but it was, you know, 10 divisionals and 11 nationals or, or something to get the bonus points to actually be able to run for the points. And and there were a lot of people that were racing for points. It's amazing that you look at it now that we were traveling all over the country and, and missing work and, you know, spending all this money to go all over the country for, for points championship, but we were. And, uh, and I don't, I don't think it stopped since. <laughs> still, still chasing and, and catching a lot of them too. I might add. Uh, well, before well, I it, it took, go ahead. No, please go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say it took a long time to actually catch the big one. I, I didn't. Uh, I never won a championship in IHRA. I finished second more times than than Ron Caps has finished second in the national point series and. Uh, I mean, people like Dwayne Silence and Jamie Silence and Jeff Dobbins and all these guys were, you know, big hitters back then. And I, I mean, I came in second to every every guy that ever raced for the points, I believe. 
in both the division and the national series. And it wasn't until 2000, well, in 2003, we won uh, the division championship in NHRA, which was the second year they ever had a top sportsman championship. And uh, and then it was a long hiatus before I, we ever did anything else in NHRA again. So it's uh, right. it, it, it looks like we've caught a lot, but we've caught a lot in the last four and five years. Yeah, you're, you're making up for it. <laughs> before I move forward, uh, that street car that had uh, the target on its back, what kind of car was that? 71 Camaro. 71 Camaro. Was, that would have been a split bumper maybe? It was, uh, maybe not originally, but it was when I had it, and uh, it was a it was a neat car with an engine I built myself. It was the second engine I'd ever built, and uh, I would drive it to the track, which was 45 minutes away, and it would run 790 in the eighth. Uh, you know, back in 88 and 89. <laughs> yeah, that was stout. It, 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 on the street, it was it was a mean vehicle, and uh, yeah, I bet. I, I, I had a lot of fun, but it, uh, it it got me into a little bit of trouble. So uh, I wised up, and uh, I mean, I think I was only 18 years old when I bought my Nova. Uh, yeah, so so we're obviously along the same age. In, in '88, I was my car was uh, going 850s, and I drove it to school and on the street. And nothing could touch it. So 790s, you didn't get outrun very often, if ever. It it was a. Uh, I had to have trouble on the street to to yeah. get out run in those days. I mean, we were racing, you know, Buick Grand Nationals and uh yeah. I mean a, a stock Mustang or or you know, didn't have a chance. I would spot those guys, you know, 10, 10 car lengths in the quarter mile and I mean I'd have them wrapped up by the eighth no problem. Yeah. But, yeah, it was fast. So obviously you you you're talking to us tonight because your incredible championship season where you captured the division and the world uh really amazing year and you know I know that started somewhere tell us a little bit about your your championship run I guess on both sides but you you started where and did you have intentions all along Sandy of of going after the world or things just started lining up well, every season is, is different for us, and I always I try to have a plan, and the plan is we're going to go to the first three or four races, which are always in Florida and, and Georgia, and see how it pans out. And if we do well and if we're looking good, then we'll, we'll decide whether or not we're going to travel and, and chase. And, you know, we've had years where we we really stunk it up at the beginning of the season, and this year or last year happened to be a good start. Um I think we've won Orlando, which is the first race of the Division Two series. I think four times I've won Orlando, and and that's that's a great way to start, of course. And then yes. you know, uh, you know, hey, if you win the first, you can't win them all unless you win the first one. <laughs> that's so, true. Uh, so we we start off, we we win Orlando, which is only a four round race. So hey, that's that's great. But it's not quite as good uh, as winning a five-round race. I mean, I'd take a one-round race if that's all there was, uh, you know, to get the Wally. But uh, but yeah, Orlando was a good start, and then uh, then I think we kind of faltered a little bit at the uh, at the next division race, which probably was South Georgia, and then uh, the Baby Gators. We 
we didn't do all that great. And then, then we won the Gators. And that, that all of a sudden, you know, because we'd been to four races and the West Coast had only run a couple, I mean, that puts us in the lead nationally. And I, well, if you're in the lead nationally, well, you have to race for points, you know. So, <laughs> of course. Uh, so that, that, uh, that sort of gives, you know, lights a little fire on you to, to make sure you, you go home, do all your maintenance, look things over, make sure the trailer has brakes, you know, all these things because, hey, man, we're going to travel a little bit and, uh, that's what we did. We decided to travel, and uh, of course, um, things happen in life. And uh, Michelle's father passed away unexpectedly, and that caused us to miss Bristol, and we, which was a, it was a very close race for us, and one that, that well we've never really done very well at. So, uh, you know, we missed Bristol, and then I think we missed the division race that we were planning on going to, and. You know, I told Michelle, I said, it's okay. You know, we've got things to do. We've got uh, family obligations. We just won't even worry about chasing for points. And lo and behold, we uh, we go to another race later in the season and, and do well. Um, gosh, I don't even remember which one it was now. It might have been... Uh, might have been Norwalk. You know, we decided just to go to Norwalk and kind of get away. Um, yeah, that'd be... I guess roughly a month after Bristol. And uh, and we went to Norwalk, uh, just Don and myself, and, uh, and well, we run it up there, and I'm like, man, if we had won, just think about where we'd be in the points, you know, how that would help us out. And um, yeah, that that time, um, I, I take that back, we went to Indy. Indy was the weekend before Norwalk because Norwalk was rescheduled. That's uh, right, I remember that now. Yep, yeah, and... Uh, and well, we just we were terrible at Indy. I, I mean, we unloaded and didn't realize the water pump was broken and burned a piston on the Q1, and you know, just like oh, this is just going to be a terrible week. And we ended up, you know, losing the second round, which was maybe on Monday. It, it's such a long week, I can't keep up. But because um, there was rain, et cetera, and that whole week I was struggling in, in my head whether or not I actually wanted to leave Roush Eights and open up my business and. On the trip from uh, from Indy, I, I decided that you know I'm not going back to work this week. I'm gonna go to Norwalk. I mean, who knows if I'll ever get another opportunity to do this? And uh, and we drove to Norwalk, and I called the guys at Roush Yates, said, "Hey, I'm not coming in this week, and when I get back, we need to have a talk." And uh, mm-hmm. and went to Norwalk and run it up, and like, man, that now I'm back in in the hunt for points, and uh, came home. Had the discussion with the guys at Roush Yates. They were a hundred percent behind my decision and, and thought it was a great idea. And, and let's, uh, you know, if, if we can help, that's great. And then we went to uh, to the Sports Nationals to pick up uh, another national because I I only went to four nationals last year, and uh, and we runnered up at the Sports Nationals. So that was a uh, that was a pretty good deal. So we run it up at Norwalk, run it up at the sports nationals. And, uh, and now we're, we're looking really good for national event claims. And, uh, you know, basically I think we had, uh, Rockingham left and, and I knew that the guys out West still had a good number of claims left. And I, like, you know what, if, uh, if I go to Rockingham and do all I can do, then, then that's just how it's going to pan out. And went to Rockingham, won the race, and I actually broke the transmission in the uh, 
quarterfinals and uh, had a buy run in the semi, so I didn't make the run. And we didn't have time to fix the transmission, but it was broken, had a broken planetary and uh, made the run anyway, knowing that it was broken. And somehow or another, it survived the pass and won the round. Wow. So I, I was, I mean, things were definitely going my way at Rockingham, and, uh, and that, which was also another rain-delayed race and it, that went on to uh, an extra day. But uh, long story short, so we left uh, left Rockingham in the lead, which I had done before and and lost it. And, and actually I had less points in 2019 than I did in, uh, when I finished second to Jeffrey Barker. So uh, I'm like, you know, I've lost the championship with more points than I have right now. So I was not very optimistic especially with the comp- type of competition we had. So uh anyway, we uh we were uh we were blessed to be in the lead leaving Rockingham and then the rest was was up to the other guys to do the best they could. Yeah, so you you didn't attend the the final event out west where I believe it was Doug Crumlish if I remember right had an opportunity to to surpass your points total if he wins the race and obviously did not accomplish that goal went several rounds i believe but did not win but how nerve-wracking was it that that you decided all right here's here's what i'm going with what i'm sticking with and we'll we'll let our fate play out in the hands of others i mean what was that like that you know it it was a tough decision because i had time i've never been to vegas uh to race i've been there to spectate but we've never been there to race uh with a nitrous com- combination, I was leery of going from you know North Carolina to Vegas to race, and you know the, the drier air and the different barometer. I just I had no data uh, to, you know, to, to help help make a good decision once we got there. So, uh, sec- secondly, the only thing that I could do that would guarantee going to Vegas would help me would be win the race, and I knew it was a six round race of uh, at a place I'd never raced before, and it was it was a tough decision. But we made the decision to stay home and and let somebody else, you know, have to do my job. <laughs> and and believe me, watching that on TV was extremely nerve wracking. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's one of the one of the toughest things I've ever done, and, and I literally felt sick to my stomach every round that Doug won. And you know, he got down to the. Um, fourth round and you know i'm thinking he's only got to win three rounds to win the sixth round race i mean anybody could have three red lights or three you know broke singles or i mean anything can happen and winning three rounds for a guy like doug crumlich wouldn't be that hard sure and and i'm thinking to myself that this there's no chance that I'm going to win this thing. You know, I hadn't even thought about looking at plane tickets or uh, hotel reservations or anything because I knew that, that this could definitely not fall my way. And uh, anyway, luckily that he lost on a really close run in the fourth round, and, and you know, it could have gone either way, and luckily it, it went my way. And uh, anyway, it worked out, worked out for us. Yeah, you watch that play out on the screen there, and... and secure your long fault championship your your 
the, as much time, energy, and money you put into to trying to win it, and it it pays off, and you're watching it on the screen as it happens. What what was that feeling like, Sandy? It, I can't really describe it. I mean, it. My wife uh, and my girls and myself were all there, and uh, it, earlier in the day when Doug won around, she, my wife, thought that he had lost and that we had won and so she's jumping up and down for joy so she pre-celebrated and uh, (laughs) and so when it actually did happen you know she's jumping up and down again and i i i'm not even positive that uh that doug has lost and and then i hear alan reinhardt say you know you know sandy wilkins back to your tuxedo you're headed to vegas oh cool you know that that's when it when it really hit and you know, I think I've said this before, I, I've never won anything while sitting on the couch, but but that's what we did and it's it, it was a tremendously good feeling, but it wasn't very satisfying because it's not like winning the race and sure. high fiving your crew chief and, you know, driving back in front of the crowd or getting your picture made, it was sort of anticlimactic. And yeah. you know, it 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 really sunk in the next day when I tried to buy plane tickets and, uh, and hotel rooms, you know, whatever it was, seven days before the banquet, uh, which was, <laughs> it was <laughs> yeah. way, way bad time to be I buying them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah they, they got the upper hand on you. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it was worth every penny though. That's a, uh, that's memory. You, you just can't replace. No, you can't. And, and I had never been to Hollywood and, or, or to Pomona, and we got to go to the race, and we got to enjoy the banquets. Uh, I didn't, I didn't realize that they were actually a sportsman banquet and a pro banquet. You know, it's just something I hadn't really followed. Uh, I mean, I'd wanted to be there, but I, I didn't really know what to expect. And and what a great experience! And our division director, uh, Rich Schaefer, really helped us. Uh, you know, get uh, acclimated to the to the area out there, and uh, you know, what what was neat was to kind of figure out that. Uh, you know, California's not not that much different from North Carolina. You know, it's just on the other other side of the country, and it was, yeah. it was nice to to go. Very cool. Sound like the season had definitely some highs and definitely some lows, and you battled through it. And with the the personal challenges that you had there with your father in law, it's uh, sound like a very challenging and rewarding season when it was all said and done. So uh, you, you battled through a lot to, to get that championship. So I know it was extra special. It, it was, it, it uh, you know, there are really not any, any words to kind of convey how you feel and, and the, the relief, I guess, of finally getting what you have tried to accomplish for all these years. And, and then you know, once you get to that point, it's it's sort of like, well, what do we do now? Um, you know, do we chase do we chase for points again? Well, of course, you know, we do, right? I mean, um, you know, I was uh, I didn't really work that hard on the car this winter, and uh, you know, I was working on trying to get the shop up and running to my liking, and and we went to uh, to Gainesville for the Baby Gators and. You know, I think I I drove poorly second round and and got beat, and then then we go back for the Gators and actually win the Gators, and it's sort of uh, I don't know how you how you say it, but you know it's sort of vindication that that hey 
all this stuff that you do and all all that we've worked hard to get, it wasn't a fluke, you know, right. the year before. And, um, yeah, this is the, the validation season. That's that's right. I mean, which everybody knows you're a contender each and every year, but you definitely and, and we use the word defending champion. But as Luke says, you're not defending anything. That's your championship. Nobody will ever take it away. So you are the reigning champion. But you still want to go out and and back that up and and put up another competitive year. And I was gonna, that was gonna be my next statement. Was twenty twenty is off to an odd start, but it has started well for you. So I'm sure you're ready to get going again and and keep the momentum towards another possible championship. I know that once you secure that championship that you got last year, those championships that has to stay on your mind. That you know that's what I want to accomplish every year. Well, it's uh, it, it is and what's been fantastic for us is we were uh you know we've been uh division champion uh four years now and uh you know and a lot of those back to back to back and and that's that's really uh i mean it's it's a great feeling it's a and that's what you want every year and this year we didn't go to the first two division races because of the impending weather and of the, the workload at the shop, which was odd for us because I, I've never missed Orlando. I don't think that, you know, since they've been having it and, and we missed it. And that's, you know, that's one of the places I really like to go because we, we make a lot of rounds there and, you know, you, you sort of wonder like, do I, do I even chase points this year now that we had to miss a couple of races? But uh, as my wife says, you, you will chase as hard as you can, you know, whenever you can. So, you know, if the shop will allow us to to be gone to go race, that's what we're going to do. I'm sure, uh, even though I may say right now that that's not what we're going to do, but that's probably what we'll do. <laughs> well, I hope it is. We'd love to see you take another run at it, and obviously that's in your plans for 2020. Before we wrap things up, you know, a guy that has competed at the the level you've competed at, and and at those tremendous speeds and and powerful cars. If you ever have any thoughts of of attempting to race a different category, Sandy, or venturing into any of the other forms of fast door car racing, you, the no prep stuff, or any of you know the the heads up type stuff, radial, whatever. You, you ever in, any thoughts or intentions of doing that? Well, there's a you know a lot of things cross my mind and. One of the the statements that I have made many times is I wish I had the resources to do all the things I think I know how to do, <laughs> and and it's uh it's interesting because unfortunately you know money is is so often the limiting factor in whatever it is you're doing you know if it's building a house or or buying a car. Or, sure. or drag racing, what have you? You know the monetary uh, limitations. Uh, you know if if you realize there is a monetary limitation, uh, that's uh, that definitely keeps us from doing a lot of things that, that maybe we think we could do. And uh, you know there are a lot of of other forms of of drag racing that I think we would be very proficient at, and 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 some of those might would be the some of the no prep stuff and and yes i have ambitions i've always had ambitions of running at the highest level either you know pro stock or pro mod but uh but i have a 
monetary ceiling that will not allow me to do that if I do it on my own. Sure. So, uh, you know, I have, uh, you know, I've built engines for pro mod guys that have been successful. I've been a crew member for uh, successful pro mod teams. Uh, you know, I've I've worked on pro stock engine programs that were, you know, developing but but really good. And, and and yes, I'd love to do to move to the next level, but I'm scared that that might take some of the fun away. Um, yeah, from what we I can see that. I can definitely see that. There, there's an art to getting very fast door cars down the racetrack run after run, and, and you've shown the ability to do that very well. So no doubt in my mind you'd be very competitive in any of those other categories if and when opportunities are, are presented to you. Well, well, we certainly here, you know, in the engine business, uh, you know, I'd like to do uh, any type of drag racing engine, but – for instance, I, I have a, a pro nitrous customer that we just finished the engine for that um, we're really excited for him to get back to the track or on the hub dyno uh, once things kind of ease up a little bit with the quarantines. And, uh, you know, that's that's that would be a really neat project to get involved. And I'm kind of on the ground floor with them, so they're, they're getting going. And I've got another guy that's got a, a pro charger application that, uh, that we're – doing a brand new build for him and and he's uh this guy's actually had uh some tv shows and knows the discovery channel people and and wants to try to get into the no prep deal so i may have the opportunity to be involved maybe not as a driver but you know as a as an engine builder or tuner or what have you so you know any of that is is of interest to me Uh, not just driving i mean i love to drive don't get me wrong but what i think i like as much or more is the process and, you know, how you take, uh, you know, these components, put them together and turn it into a winning combination. Sure. Well, you, you've got the recipe for that. There's no doubt in, in any of our minds that again, you, uh, you could do it if and when opportunities present themselves. Sandy, lastly, nobody competes at the level you compete at with uh, the consistency and, and, championships that you've accumulated without some help uh, i know there's probably a list of folks that that you need to thank for helping you not only get to the track but down the track who is that well sure uh absolutely and you know number one i, I gotta thank my wife because she is uh she is the best i mean there's she's even keel doesn't matter what's happening she's a jokester and and she she puts me in my place when I need to be put in my place, and, and she's always there for me no matter what. And I, I couldn't ask for for a better companion for life. And and of course, her girls are also my biggest cheerleaders. And I I don't know if anybody that, that could be listening has ever seen this, but almost every race last year, my girls made uh, 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 big signs that said things like you know, five-time champion, future world champion, and they would hold them up on the golf cart when I'd make runs. And, uh, I mean, they are into it as much or more than I am, which is just the neatest thing ever. Yes. Um, my, my good buddy Don Shuford, who has helped me for has to be 13 or 14 years now, uh, he, he takes a lot of his time to come to the races and help me, and I, I couldn't do it without him. And uh, another guy that helps us on occasion when we're down south is Steve Cromwell, great guy. And, you know, sponsor-wise, 
we've really not had much in the way of sponsors over the years, but this year, uh, with the things that happened with our family, I uh, had some folks step up to, to make sure we were able to go to Indy and, uh, you know, Steve Matuzic at Aeromotive was definitely one of those guys. And not only did he, uh, you know, allow me to put his name on my car, he, uh, helped me change the piston after the first, <laughs> first round qualifier, uh, <laughs> and, uh, which was great. Uh, but other guys like uh, Steve Earwood at Rock Batteries has been a great supporter of us and uh, has great products. And, uh, and Calico Coatings, David Adams at Calico, has uh, made sure that we had whatever we need coating-wise for not just my race team but for the for the engine shop. And um, and then Wayne Jessel also is another guy that, that made sure that we made it to Indy and, and he understood that, that it was timing wasn't great, but uh, definitely helped us out for that and those guys really have have stepped up and and and, uh made a tremendous effort uh to make sure we were able to chase for the points last year and uh hope to be able to continue to work with all those folks awesome great list of people and and starting it with your wife it that doesn't get much better than that when you got support at home you you definitely got what you need so that's really cool and uh sandy again Congratulations and thank you for taking us down your your championship journey uh, for 2019 and we're wishing you much the same success this year in 2020 when we're able to get back after it. Now, while it sounds like I'm wrapping things up, I don't you probably don't get a chance to listen to the podcast much, but we ain't quite done. So we we got a little area we call rapid fire where okay. I want to this is where we really get to know you. Now, you told us all about your race and all that, but now we're going to get to know who Sandy Wilkins really is and just a few questions, and you give us the answer that pops up in your head. You up for that? Sure. All right. So, obviously, racing is a, is a primary hobby and a business and a job, but outside of that, what would you consider your favorite hobby? Oh, that's, that's difficult. Uh, how about going out to eat? Oh, yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Uh, Sandy, what is the thing you're most afraid of? Uh, Disappointing my parents. Oh, wow. I didn't see that one coming. I have a very good answer there. I love that. Uh, You probably don't get to watch much of the two, but do you have a favorite show or movie that you just really want to talk about? Well, the, uh, the the interesting thing is I have seen a lot of TV since the quarantine. So uh, <laughs> my wife and I have been binge watching Westworld. Westworld, I'm okay. Familiar with that? I'm not. It's a it's a HBO series, and I I I like the science fiction uh, slash uh, you know kind of things that make you think, and it's definitely a a science fiction thinker show. Okay. I'm going to check in the Westworld. Um, uh, not what you think. So. <laughs> all right. So everybody's got that favorite song that they think they just sing perfectly, just nail it. What, what's yours? Wanted, Dead or Alive. Oh, man. Yeah, I wish you had just broke right into the chorus on that one. That would have been good. <laughs> well, uh, I, can't, I can't hold a tune in the bucket. Okay. <laughs> Even a big bucket. I can't. But at any time, we like to hear something coming from the build room. We like to hear that being blared out. <laughs> what time you wake up in the morning, Sandy? Six thirty. 
630. Ice cream, pie, or cake? Cake. Cake. Wow. Uh, that one surprised me, too. I just knew you'd say ice cream. I'm, I, I love ice cream, but it doesn't like me. <laughs> lactose intolerant or something. <laughs> I, I have no tolerance for lactose, and I will not stand for it. <laughs> I get it. Uh, lastly, last one on rapid fire. Love to win or hate to lose? I love to win. I don't. There's not much I hate. I, I was told many years ago uh, by the IHRA pastor that I was uh, the best loser of all time because I always had a smile on my face even if I lost. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good deal. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no wrong answer there, so that's good stuff. Well, again, that uh, was just a few questions to get to know you a little bit better, and I think we did. And, and again, I thank you for taking some time for us tonight, Sandy, to take us down that uh, 2019 championship road. Congratulations on an incredible season, some great accomplishments, uh, a lot of overcome adversity, and uh, we're definitely pulling for you again in 2020 to, to do the same. Well, it, it was my pleasure, and I, I hope that I get to come back on at the end of 2020. <laughs> well, we hope you do, too. We'd love to chat with you again and do it all over again sometime next this coming winter. But uh, nonetheless, stay focused on that championship. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll hopefully get back to normal real soon. Well, that sounds fantastic. Same to, same to you and your family. All right, Sandy Wilkins, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great night, and we'll be looking at you on the racetrack soon. Thank you very much. See you, bud. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Reasons to use BTE tune-up services. Number one, quick turnaround time. You won't be out of commission for half the season while you're waiting on your parts. Number two, unparalleled customer service and responsive communication. Reason number three, all brands of parts are accepted. It's not like they just work on BTE parts. Number four, BTE offers freight shipping discounts. They are located in the shipping capital of the United States near Memphis, Tennessee. And number five, reason to use BTE tune-up services. Quality work from knowledgeable technicians helps your system achieve peak performance. It's time for the big interview. On the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. All right. Uh, again, as part of our 2019 Champions interviews, we are uh, happy to have the 2019 IHRA Sportsman Champion on the line with us tonight. we got Dustin Carroll joining us. I uh, want to say thank you, Dustin, for taking some time for us tonight. and We appreciate you coming in. And uh, how are you? How are you doing this evening? Good Doing good, and thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Our pleasure. Um, I always like to let the the listeners know where where you're at, where our our interviewee is is located. Where are you talking to us from tonight? I'm uh, from Ola, South Carolina. Ola. Yep, Ola, South Carolina. Okay, where is Ola? We're probably about an hour from Carolina Dragway. 
Aiken. Okay. okay. So you're you're in the southern part of the state then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Excellent. And uh, how do you make your living, Dustin? Um, we run a welding and fabrication shop. Um, in the area. Um, okay. we do maintenance work and machine work. All right. So somebody needs some fab work or needs some welding done. You the man to see. Yeah, we'll take care of them. Good. Y'all staying busy during all this uh, lockdown and quarantine? Is it is it affected you much? No, not not yet. We've been staying real busy. It hadn't really affected us so far. Well, that's good. Really good news. Um, so Dustin, for those of us that that aren't as familiar with your racing program as we'd like to be, we we want to get there. So. Tell us a little bit about your history, your racing history, like uh, who got you started in racing, you know, when, where, that type of information. Um, my my daddy started me probably probably whenever I was about sixteen. We raced at Carolina and um, started doing that, and then we quit for a while, and then I started back with uh, my daughter Morgan and the juniors, and. We run juniors for a while, and then we um, run no box for a while. And my brother also was racing no box with us, and um, we've probably been doing that since about 2000. And um, we race pretty much every weekend. Um, okay. And uh, we you, to, you started at Carolina, you said? Yeah, we started racing at Carolina Dragway. Okay. What year would you get? Did you get your start, Dustin? Probably in nineteen ninety four. Okay. Excellent. So you've been around the game quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. Often on we've been quit for probably about maybe five six years and then started back. What was started your uh, What was your first car that you raced in? It was a 70 Nova was what we started with first. Excellent. We just uh, just interviewed Sandy Wilkins, the NHRA top sportsman champion from last year, and his his first race car was a 70 Nova. Yours was and mine was, so that's a a pretty small world. That's good stuff. So... Uh, obviously, uh, you started there at Carolina Dragway. You raced there, obviously, quite some time. But you qualified for the, the IHRA World Finals with Union County Dragway in South Carolina. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Union. With Union I don't guess Union was around when you started. I guess that's a fairly new track. No. Yeah, it's a fairly new track. I I don't remember when they actually started, but we raced off and on with them probably four or five years um, and run with them and run the sportsman class with them and qualified and went to the bracket finals with them. How far is Union County Dragway from Ola? About two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's a pretty good little ride. Yeah. So you yeah, still go to Carolina some then? Yeah, we go to Carolina. We run Carolina, run Darlington, um, run Union. Okay, plenty, 
plenty of choices out that way. That's a good thing. So yeah. you qualified for the world finals at your at your home track or into bracket finals? Um qualified at the home track. We okay. we actually qualified with Owensburg. I run Owensburg's race to start with and then I got their points and then we we got Union's points, so I chose to go with Union to the world finals. One point at two tracks. Yep. One mm. both sound tracks. like sound like a pretty good season, Dustin. Yeah, it started out good. Yeah, I'd say so. So your season uh at, at Union um do they have a sportsman category or you just won their bottom bulb points all together? No, they have a sportsman category. Um that's what I won in the sportsman's category. Okay. Excellent. So you you obviously win that and you learn that you qualify for the world finals but the bracket finals in between how did the bracket finals go for you went good we uh, we were on for union and i think i was one of the ones still in for union's track um maybe the last one or next to the last ones and i don't remember how far we got down but we got in a low car count and that was pretty good for us too yeah that's good where were your bracket finals over there they were at uh, Darlington Drayway. And Darlington, okay. Place you're familiar with, so I'm sure that helped a lot. Yeah. So you learn that you, you're qualified for the World Finals, actually, I guess, at two locations. Um, that Memphis is a pretty good little haul from your part of the world. Did you know immediately, Dustin, that, that you were going to go, or did you have to do some thinking and try to figure it out, or, or how'd that work out? No, when they told us we could go, we were planning on going, um, and we started out that way. Now, on the on the way out there, we almost changed our mind. We got, I don't know, two or three hours into the trip and had motorhome trouble. I got that straightened out, and we, we decided to go on and made it on out there. Oh, man, that was going to actually be my... <laughs> That was going to be my next question was tell us about the trip. Was it uneventful or did you have any issues along the way? What kind of trouble did you have out of the motorhome? Um, we had an oil filter leak and um, the oil filter uh, gasket went out. And we got that changed and got on and it got that going. And um, everything worked out so far. So we, it delayed us a couple of hours, but we made it on enough time. Yeah, sound like a little bit of a messy repair there. Did y'all have to do that on the side of the road or did you you find you a parking lot somewhere? We we were in a rest area and um we made it that far and we had a pretty good place to fix it. That helps a lot. Yeah. That kind of trouble's rough on the road. So you finally make it to Memphis and yeah, uh, you're at the big show. Tell us about the atmosphere there. What was that like, Dustin, when you roll in there? Yeah, it was it was fun. It was a nice facility. Um, it was it was different. Um, it was a different place to race. Um, that's that's the first time I'd ever run at that track. Um, yeah, started out not too too good really with time runs and stuff. It didn't. 
didn't didn't want to go right to start with for us. What was going wrong? Tell us about it. Um, just couldn't, the car wouldn't run, the dial in didn't seem right. I just couldn't uh, be good on the tree. Um, and didn't have no issues. It's just like it, nothing didn't want to come together too good to start with. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess they have a couple of uh, gamblers races prior to the the championship day. Is that correct? Yeah, we had a test day and we had a gamblers race. And um, same thing in the gamblers race. I don't think I even won first round. Um, didn't really do that good in that. Well, you obviously made up for that. It comes race day. What do you think changed for you? I mean, obviously we're talking to you because you you won the whole thing. What uh, what changed yeah. on race day? I just I just decided. I said, "Well, you're just gonna go for it. Just see what happens." And um, it's, it just seemed like everything came together. The car would run pretty good on the dial in, and on the lights wasn't too bad. And it's it's kind of almost like everything just went together. Um, couldn't really make no mistakes. Didn't seem like it seemed like things went in my favor. That's a heck of a turnaround. How did the race play out? Like round by round, you don't have to tell us every detail, but you know, you you said that the car was running a lot better. You was hitting the tree better. Were there any rounds where you felt like you got a lucky break or? Did uh, things just pretty much go your way the whole time? Um, yeah, I had some breaks. I um, I had I run Cody Spears. I think that was at three cars, and he turned it barely red. I can't remember double double O one or something. Red. That was a break, and I had one run where. I, I thought it was over when we left the line. The guy, he was just over there riding with me. And, um, we got to the end, and we were still there. And I felt like I was decent on the tree, but it didn't. It, it looked way off. And when we got to the end, I seen him drop, so I dropped with him, and it it, it turned around and got the wind light. So that was, a, I knew after that point, I said, this I'm ready to race now. <laughs> you know, it could possibly was going to be your day. Yep. It was, it, all the way through the run, it just looked like it was, I was way behind, but it, it turned around at the end. Well, that's a good thing. So it doesn't appear, Dustin, that you do much social media. No, not much. Okay. If any, because it you yeah. you're almost unfindable on social media. Luckily, your your daughter yeah. was tagged in my post where I was trying to find you, and uh, she got me to you. So that was a good thing. I want to give her a shout out and give Morgan a shout out. Yeah. Tell her thank you for that. So yeah. uh, the other champions that we've interviewed where we start talking about the late rounds and the world finals, which is a really big deal. I mean, you're, you're racing for a nice prize package and, a, a you know, a world championship on the IHRA side. So it's a big deal. So I ask everyone else about their social media account, where they, you know, avoiding it, that they look at it and see all the people cheering them on and all those things, or did they just stay away from it? And you get some of both. 
what was your approach there? Because there had to be people sending you text messages and everything else. Yeah, um, I got text messages. I it it didn't really come to you know. I got a lot of telephone calls. Um, it didn't really kind of everything just it took it a while to sink in. Um, but but I got a lot of texts, a lot of telephone calls. Um, with people cheering on. What about as the rounds were starting to to get late? You know, you're down to five, six cars, three cars. Were people reaching out to you much then, or did you just leave the phone tucked away somewhere and not look at it? No, people was people were saying I see. Oh, they were watching online and they would see me going around. I was staying in contact with everybody. I um, I tried to just stay calm with it and treat it just like any other race. Tried to keep my nerves down. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't stay away from the phone and we had, I think my daddy was there and we had a couple of different people with us and everybody was, um, they were staying involved, but I just treated every round the same, just going into it. Yeah. You didn't let it affect you. Who did you race in the final? I raced, don't remember the name, the guy from Florida, um, I think he had like a cougar. I can't call his name right now, but I run him in the finals. What did that look like? It was um, it was close. We had a double. If I remember right, double O three finish at the end for me. The um, our lights were were close together, and the cars run close on the dial in. It was double O two or double O three finish at the end. So you, you, we were right there together. Yeah, you obviously it's a close race. It's tight going down the track. You've got that tension of not knowing whether you're in control of the race or not. So it's all the way to the stripe, and and then your wind light comes on, Dustin. What was that like when you get? I think it's a like a flashing light, if I remember right, at Memphis. You you get the flashing light in your lane. How'd you feel at that moment? Um. I think all my nerves and stuff that I was holding in just come out. It was a relief, kind of <laughs> the weight from off. It was, it you know, it was. A, it felt good to win and go through all the trouble trying to get to that point. Um, it, like I said, it took a little while for it to kind of sink in that you just won the world finals. But um, yeah, it was a good feeling when to see the win light. Yeah, I imagine it was an amazing feeling. You you get back to the you, to your pit and your your dad obviously and your support groups there. Uh, I imagine that was a huge celebration. Yeah, it was um it was it was real good and I was glad to have um, my dad and my wife and my daughter was able to be there. Um, my brother didn't make it out that way, but but we had a good good group of people with us yeah uh probably awesome celebrating with your family and knowing that uh that you've just collected the the 2019 sportsman ihra championship but that comes with a pretty good prize package too dustin what did that look like for you yeah we um we got five thousand dollar check um we got our gift certificates from Mosier. Um, trick flow, summit, um, 
got the Iron Man and got the uh, rings. Um, so it was it was a pretty good payday. Yeah, very cool. And that that check being the, the coolest part of it, I, I, I had it feel real good. Uh, trip like that's not easy to make, so you know you had gotten oh. your investment back and and put some towards the racing program. Had to feel great. Yeah, that was good. It was a good good payday. So, what does your 2020 plans look like, Dustin? You, you obviously we're all slowed up a little bit by the virus, but when you get back to racing, I imagine that'll be fairly soon there in South Carolina. Oh, you you plan to chase those points again at Union, or how are you going to handle this year? Yeah, that's the plan. I'll see if we can do two in a row. Um, okay. As soon as they get things back up and going, that was the plan, to give it another shot. Any uh, any idea when it's going to get started back in your area? I don't know. Um, I know Darlington's going to do like a gambler's race. Um, and I feel like maybe in a couple more weeks they should be back going, but I hadn't really heard anybody say any, any dates yet. Yeah, we get started. I'm in Alabama in the Birmingham area, and we, we get started back in a couple of weeks ourselves, so hopefully you guys are right there with us, and you can get back to chasing another championship in 2020. Yep. So, I'm ready for it to get started. So obviously, you know, you you had a lot going on last year. You you did quite a bit of running around. You make it to Memphis, win the World Finals. You, nobody does that without some help and support, Dustin. I, I'm sure you got a list of folks that you want to thank for, for their support and help in 2019. Who is that? Yeah, I would like to thank my wife, Kelly, um, my daughter, Morgan, and my daddy, uh, Lockett. They they help out a lot to, um, to make sure that we can go try to go every weekend somewhere, and it takes a lot of a lot of packing and a lot of work to to get there. Yeah, I bet. And when you when a track you win points at is two and a half hours away, you you obviously got a quite a bit of travel invested week after week, and have those folks helping you that much, I'm sure is uh, much appreciated. Yep. So that uh, that covers the racing part of this thing, Dustin. You, you told us about your 2019 championship season, which we appreciate very much, and we're happy for you and proud of you and hoping for the same in 2020. But we didn't get to know you quite as well as we want to, so we got something we call rapid fire that helps us get to know you just a little bit better. And this is just a series of questions. I actually got six of them, and... Uh, and I, I think this will help us get to know you a little bit better before we part ways. You up for that? Yeah. Yeah. You sure? I guess. <laughs> All right. All right. Here I come. What is your worst habit? I'm thinking too much. Okay. I think we're all guilty of that at times. Dustin? What business shows up the most on your credit card or debit card? Some. <laughs> All right. 
If you could only drink one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? It would be Coke. Man, after my own heart. Ain't nothing like a good cold (laughs) Coke, Dustin. How do you like your steak cooked? Well... We was all right right up until then. I was I was liking the answers up until then. I, I, was, I was probably cooking it a little too long, Dustin. Have you ever tried it, just back down a notch or two from there? No. Well, it's the only way. <laughs> That's the only way you eat, you know. That's uh, it. Dustin, what job would be the worst job ever for you? Probably office work. Don't like the office work, okay? Uh, Last question. And you come on now, you gotta give it to us. You gotta tell us what it is. What hidden talent do you have that would surprise us to know? I don't know what that would be. I guess I miss a one out of six. <laughs> oh, you gotta be like a you got to be, like, uh, amazing at basketball or a, a, a gospel singer or something. I mean, something. you got to have a hidden talent that we don't know about that would surprise us. Yeah, that's about nothing but working and racing is about, about <laughs> it. Those are your talents, huh? Welding yeah, no and racing. Yeah, that's it. You don't do much singing. No, ain't no singer. <laughs> All right. Well, I thought maybe we'd learn a little something extra, but we learned a lot <laughs> about you anyway, and uh, appreciate you going down that road with us. And again, thank you, Dustin, for giving us some time tonight and telling us about your championship season. Um, that's a heck of an accomplishment, you know, winning a, a, a championship with that kind of talent at the racetrack that you have to go out and compete against and, and outperform as a, uh, pretty special thing i hope you enjoy it i hope you're still enjoying it and i hope you uh get an opportunity to do it again this year in 2020 Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. 
If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.